Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It's January 25th, 2021. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. And here we are, after all those months of waiting, on the doorstep of the Super Bowl, and it's almost over again. It's almost over again. Who would have bet? Who would have bet that Antonio Brown and... Le'Veon Bell would lead their respective teams to the Super Bowl to face off against each other. You know, Brown had a big zero for zero. Uh, but, but his morale, his morale helped a lot. You know, his presence helped the Buccaneers get there, if, even if his stats didn't. Uh, you know, on the other side of the game, of course, uh, Le'Veon Bell, you know, he's not, the, he's not the superstar that he was in Pittsburgh, but his zero for zero, uh, zero carries for zero yards, also helped the Kansas City Chiefs in an, in an indirect way. Uh, getting into the Super Bowl, and who would have bet it? Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, both getting back to a place that they're familiar with. And I could have bet it pretty easily when Tom Brady made that super team down there in Tampa Bay with all these Hall of Famers who went and played for $100 a pop You know, earlier in the season. I guess it was foretold. And if you thought it was foretold, you could have made that bet too. I bet online, baby. Football's almost over. It is really almost over. Or is it just beginning with a new era of Steelers football being ushered in? Maybe you got to take out a prop bet on which position the Steel men are going to go with in line one. Well, you can do that and much more at Bet Online. They have the best spreads, totals, team player, and coaching props in the business, and uh, really anything else you could be looking for. So use that promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, ching, your online sports book experts. So the aforementioned conference championships, Tampa Bay 31, San Francisco 26, in which was a very que- very questionable call, among others, at the end of the game. And right. Kansas City really overtakes Buffalo's by, I think, a surprising score of 38 to 24. Okay, so let's just take like one sentence on the Kansas City game, and then let's get to what we really want to talk about in terms of the Tom Brady not eclipsing the Steelers' mark of total Super Bowls here in the Super Bowl. Uh, Kansas City, they really are the greatest team we've seen in, in a long time. They are a super team. We've had some lots of great Patriots teams, of course. You could take any of those. There were a couple of phenomenal Peyton Manning Colts teams, which – you know, young Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers made quick work of in their uh, first Super Bowl run with Ben. 
But there, there's the, the greatest show on turf with the Rams. But this Chiefs thing, it's just something different. I mean, it's the perfect confluence of events when you have a guy in Patrick Mahomes who really looks like the best quarterback we've ever seen in his young career already. Aaron Rodgers obviously done some similar things with the less talented cast in his time. But, you know, you mix Patrick Mahomes, he throws from in the pocket. He throws from out of the pocket. He throws on his left foot, his right foot, 60 yards, 70 yards, 2 yards, whatever it is. Phenomenal. He can run for first downs. Then you mix him with the fastest skill position player the, the NFL's ever seen, Tyree Kill. And a guy in Travis Kelsey who's legitimately making the claim for the best pass-catching tight end of all time. We've seen Gonzalez and Gates and these guys, but you got to think Gronk. That's the first time I realized they're all G names. Wow. Looks like the Steelers got to find a G name at tight end in this uh, coming draft here. But, you know, I always say Gronk, it's hard to beat him as the best tight end ever, especially because of what a dominant blocker he is. But when you watch Travis Kelsey, he, he's a wide receiver. I mean, he catches the ball in every area of the field and then makes people miss. He's juking people in the open field, but he's gigantic. So he's serviceable in other areas too. And then, of course, the supporting cast, you just get a bunch of other guys who run four twos and you let Andy Reid call the plays. The defense in Kansas City is extremely complimentary. They've got a couple superstar players and then a bunch of average guys who come together to form kind of an all-or-nothing boomer-bust unit which is like, hey, we're going to blitz everybody and we're either going to sack you, Patrick Mahomes is going to get the ball back, we're going up by 14, you're never going to see us again, or we're going to blitz everybody and you score, and then, okay, Patrick Mahomes is scoring the next drive. They're just such an absolute force. And after a whole season of never recovering the spread, they win almost every single game. They won 15 games. They've won like, right now, what are they, like 24-1 and over the past 25 games or something? But they never cover. They're always messing around with teams. And now the regular season just truly looked like a team who knew they were going to the Super Bowl and were biding their time because everybody loved Buffalo, the new kid on the block. And they, I don't know how much of the game you watched yesterday, Dad. We watched the whole thing. They did not belong on the same field. It wasn't even close. Kansas City just did exactly what we've seen them do in so many other games. That's not one minute. I guess I'm more interested in this than I thought I was. I'm interested in Josh Allen, like everybody else. It's it's incredible to see his ascension over the three yeah. years. Did you see the graphic? You're like, what was ten touchdowns year one, twenty, and now forty? Yeah, it's you know, it was, can you can you explain to me those sacks he took for like negative twenty yards each? Oh yeah, I mean, just remember how much people whined about Ben taking big sacks and and making big plays, and I guess they would have rather removed the Super Bowl wins the Steelers had because that was the thing with Ben. It was like, hey you got to take some of those bad plays with all the unbelievable good plays you get. What about in the Super Bowl against the Seahawks, the one where you know Ben didn't even play that great, but he runs cross-field two times then hits Heinz Ward to the one-yard line on a – which would have – by the way, that would show up as a touchdown throw if Heinz gets in there. So, like, that's why you can't look at stats for everything. But it's like that with Josh Allen and Russell Wilson. You take some of the bad with the good. Because so many times Josh Allen runs that far backwards and gets around the guy and then makes a great pass. The first time he took the 20-yard sack, that's what I said. Like, hey, you can't, you're going to get some of those. That's fine. You'll probably make up for it. But then when he took the one in the fourth quarter, you're thinking, okay, buddy, this is where you hope he grows. The same way Ben grew, which is like Ben took less of those crazy sacks as he went along. And as a veteran quarterback, you have to have a better idea for, like, situation. If you take one of those in the first quarter, okay, this is the fourth quarter. You're going to lose. You can't take that sack there. But, yeah, that's just part of Josh Allen's magic. And uh, he wasn't ready the way Patrick Mahomes and those other guys were ready. But he wasn't bad. He was okay. They just didn't belong on the field with this royalty that is the Kansas City Chiefs. 
For the first time in Super Bowl history, a team will be playing in its home stadium. Yeah. Tampa with, Bay is the home team. Not a, and not a full stadium, huh? What a, well, it'd be a bummer if it wasn't Tom Brady, but the irony of that is not lost on me, right? First time ever. I think that, uh, what do they had, 8,500 people in Green Bay? Something like that. They'll have some people, but. They'll have some people. So, I don't know. What do you think about the spread, three and a half for Kansas City? Yeah, it sounds about right. Kansas City is really, could be, they're, until somebody proves they can keep up with them, I, I just don't think if Kansas City's playing their best game, I, I don't think there's anyone since the Steel Curtain who could beat that team. They've lost, what, like seven times over the past three years, you know, since Patrick Mahomes has been the starter. And I think I heard this on Pro Football Talk. I believe in all seven of those losses, the winning team had to score over 36 points to win the game. So, like, if you're going to beat the Chiefs, you better be ready to score 40 points. And I don't care who they're playing. Like, they can just put up, put up the points. We saw the greatest show on turf, and, and they had a lot of awesome players. But the... Chiefs equal them in awesome players and then raise the quarterback times 10. Kurt Warner is a good quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is a whole other planet. Patrick Mahomes can run. He can go in and outside of the pocket. He has a better arm. He's more accurate. He's everything. He's better than Kurt Warner at everything, especially when you add in the fact that he can scramble. So it's not like when you finally see a team go against Tom Brady or Peyton Manning and they get enough pressure up the middle where those guys can't escape or they can't get the ball off quick enough. Like If you do that, well, and Patrick Mahomes still might have aged you. So to me, they really are a juggernaut of, of pretty insane uh, status. But how about, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the frustration. Oh, what, did you have something? What did you have? I just wanted to say, you know, they're starting to be like a player who played at Alabama who doesn't know any loss throughout right. his four years at the school. But they will have their day of reckoning because they sure. too – are starting to experience the salary cap woes that we are. You know, Frank right. Clark is a cap hit, is a dead cap hit of $38 million. Mahomes, we know that he he got his, what, $400 million contract. Yeah, so he, he's pretty weighty too. there too. Yeah, yeah he is. What's that? And, and they got a deal on him because in a couple of years, it's going to be cheap. He got really under what the market value is going to end up being for him. But you're right. Yeah, it's not going to be forever. I think that, yeah, they should be good forever as long as they keep Mahomes and who knows how long Reed coaches. But right now, this is the, the dynasty team that they have or the potential of the dynasty. Think about it this way. I don't know if you remember this play because, you know, you're a great coach and quarterback mind. You're so, you know, short memory. Just let's forget the last play. We know the strategy here. But two years ago when they played Tom Brady in the championship game and they, they lost that game and, yeah, the Patriots had to score 40. The Patriots ran the ball over 40 times in that game. When, once again, another game that Tom Brady gets all the credit for. Tom Brady in the fourth quarter on the game-winning drive throws the game-losing interception, trying to hit Gronk. Throw, air mails it, game over. Chiefs win. But D Ford, the Chiefs' defensive end, had lined up in the neutral zone before the play had started. Now, this penalty was away from the play. It didn't have any impact on the play whatsoever. His foot was just over the line. They called the penalty free play for the Patriots. If that play had stood, which in reality, the Chiefs made that play, then the Chiefs would be going to their third straight Super Bowl right now at this time. And Tom Brady wouldn't be getting all the credit for his teams going to the Super Bowl every time. And let me lead into the Tom Brady thing. 
I think it's ridiculous that we can't say Tom Brady is an undisputed top five quarterback of all time without getting backlash. Because if you insinuate that he's top five and he's not number one, people go insane. Tom Brady, to me, is top five ever for obvious reasons. When you watch him play, his command over defenses is insane. I mean, you blitz him, he knows exactly where to go with the ball. His accuracy, phenomenal. His arm, great arm. Can play outdoors, can play indoors. And then the clutch gene... It's hard to measure in any athlete, but when you get a 20-year sample size of what this guy does, I don't know if there's ever been a more clutch athlete in history. He plays better in the fourth quarter when he's down in the Super Bowl. you know. So he's unbelievable. His pocket presence, everything. But the reason why everyone calls him the undisputed number one champ is one reason, for the rings. He's going to be in his 10th Super Bowl. He's played 20 years. He's been to 10 Super Bowls. It's ridiculous. But... How is it so hard to understand that it's not just him? Like, I, I and I just want to point that out. That's the only thing I'm trying to say about Brady. It's not that he's been propped up by these other systems. It's just that he's been on some amazing teams, and that's what you get when you pair an unbelievable quarterback with an amazing team. But Tom Brady threw three interceptions and seven passes in the second half yesterday. Think about that. And what did the Buccaneers do? After the second interception, the Green Bay Packers get the ball back. Three and out. The very next possession, Brady throws another gross interception. Airmailing it, not even close to his target. What does the Buccaneers defense do? Three and out. If I tweeted this yesterday. If the Steelers had won that game yesterday to go to the Super Bowl, the headline would read, Stinky Steelers squeak past Ben Roethlisberger's sloppy game to inch into the Super Bowl. Roethlisberger throws three picks. And then all the headlines today are Brady throws three unimaginably good touchdowns and the, and the Bucks ride his coattails to another Super Bowl. The defense bailed him out again, the same way they did against the Chiefs two years ago when he threw the game-losing interception on the final drive. And good credit to him for bouncing back and throwing the game-winning touchdown. But how are we simplifying this so much to just say that he, he's the, the reason why they win Super Bowls, you know? And on, on top of that, it's like, <laughs> yeah, he made it with another team. He went to an all-star team. And that's what happens when you put a top five quarterback, an amazing quarterback, on a great team. But they have Mike Evans, Hall of Fame trajectory, Chris Godwin, all-pro wide receiver, Antonio Brown, Hall of Famer, whether you guys like it or not, uh, Rob Gronkowski, Hall of Famer, one of the top offensive lines in, the, in, in football. Okay, top five offensive line. Their running back, top five overall pick, Leonard Fournette. Their defense, top ten pick, or top, you know, first round pick in Dominic Sue, one of the best defenders of the generation. Same thing, Devin White, top ten pick. Look, they're loaded. They're an absolutely loaded team. That does not mean they are dragging Tom Brady there. But to give him all the credit, especially in a game where he had a worse sequence than the Steelers had at the beginning of the Browns playoff game, Marquise Pouncey snaps it over Ben's head, Ben throws two interceptions in 14 plays, and then goes on, proceeds to throw for 500 yards and multiple touchdowns, and the story of the game is Ben ruins it for the Steelers, when in reality, the defense could have picked any time in four quarters to make a stop, and we could have had a nuanced opinion of, hey, Ben didn't play his best game, but he did more than enough to win. But for some reason, we're so simplified to think that, like, oh, Brady drags the team there. And it's really the fault of the mass media. So that's all I'm trying to say. Brady's unbelievable, and we should enjoy watching him. 
But it, it really is Emperor's new clothes with the whole he drags teams to the Super Bowl thing. And why does he get credit for that when he's played on some awesome teams? No matter how you paint this, this is going to be an exciting Super Bowl, presumably. And it's interesting, the dichotomy between two, two uh, quarterbacks, one at the zenith of his career or maybe right. on the starting to backslide and the guy who's in, in the ascension. Yeah, a mere child. What did they say? I heard this morning that Mahomes was in kindergarten the first time Brady yeah. won the Super Bowl. I'm yeah, still not sure about picture. that math, but still. No, it's uh, true. There's, there's an awesome picture of Mahomes in kindergarten in 2002 and Brady right after he won the Super Bowl in like a leather jacket. It's it's pretty amazing. So, uh, let me just say we'd spend about 15 minutes on other teams. Who cares? Who cares? And let's move into the Steelers because there was there is some news, but right now there are more probably unknowns that we are trying to track down and the right. first of those which is really interesting Marquis Pouncey sort of hanging out there without resolution yeah there's been a bunch of reports coming out saying that he's going to retire but he's not trying to make a big deal of it and he hasn't made an official announcement yet but it just seems like it came from enough places that it has some truth to it especially with the way well first off with the way he you know he's he's been sliding a little bit the past two years I don't care. That's one of my favorite Steelers of all time. But he's been in the trenches for a long time. He's had major injuries. He's missed entire seasons. So it wouldn't be that random for him to retire just from that standpoint of like, hey, he's had, he's had a good run. But also the way him and Ben you know, were emotional at the end of that final game. And, and there were rumors percolating at that point that Marquise might retire. So I guess that means a couple things. We have to wait for the official announcement if it does happen. But if he does retire, that sets off quite a few dominoes. Really, number one, you talk about the offensive line. We all know the Steelers need to take all seven draft picks on the offensive line. Um, but this would really exacerbate it. Like, oh, now you definitely don't have Pouncey. You don't even have a center on the roster who can play. Do you have enough money to bring in a veteran guy? Or are you going to have to start a rookie as the offensive signal caller next to Ben or, or Aaron Rodgers or, uh, or Matt Stafford or Deshaun Watson or whoever it may be um, on that offensive line. So that, this, this problem just became a larger problem. But I guess maybe it's more like the inevitable happening quickly. Well, what's interesting, I looked into an analysis of salaries. The Steelers, without Pouncey, who basically has no dead cap money associated with him, without Pouncey, ranked 31 out of 32 teams in the amount of money they invest <laughs> on their offensive line. And that sounds like a good thing. Look, we'll just spend more money on them, but we have no more money. We have no money. We need more money. Yeah, I mean, it's inevitable either way. It just adds to another reason of why I almost wouldn't want Ben to play this next year. I'm like, dude, dude I do not want to see you get a leg removed or the alternative, which is have to watch the identical, futile offensive attack of you better get the ball out in under one second. You know, what? what's the point of that? How could also uh, – okay, so this leads into the next point. Ben and Marquise always said that they'd retire when the other one retires. Ben has seemed gung-ho about returning this year that's my that's the only thing that gives me pause we are talking about once again the greatest athlete that humanity has ever seen or ever will see and my favorite athlete of all time by a long shot so this seems weird for me to have this take but i i do lean towards preferring him retiring this year just because i don't think the steelers are in some disastrous oh my gosh it's it's going to be horrible for years situation but i do see them as in a oh next year's not happening how could you watch this, this championship weekend and think 
the Steelers are anywhere near what these teams can do. You know, it was obvious. I mean, the Steelers got blown out by Buffalo, and Buffalo didn't even belong on the field with the Chiefs. And I don't know, you can't use that transitive property in, in NFL. This team beat this team, so it means this team couldn't beat them. But we know the Steelers are going to have a tough year coming up here. Um, so why does Ben want to return behind no offensive linemen? Bring, bring. What's that? Hello. Pounce. It's Ben. Come on, man. One more year. <laughs> got one, one more year. <laughs> yeah. You got to step up. I need you. I All need right. you. You convince me. That's a possibility, too. I, I'm, so since Pouncey hasn't officially announced it. But, yeah, my feeling on Ben in general is, like, will this actually push him into the retirement? Because can't he see that the Steelers are not in position for next year? Or does he really believe that, like, no, we have some special pieces? Like, if Claypool takes a big step, we could have one of the best receivers in the NFL. We got TJ Watt. We got Minka Fitzpatrick. We got a lot of good guys. We were we went 11-0 last year. I threw for 500 yards in my last game. Or is it simply, like, yeah, one, the crap load of money that I get for playing this one more year? Excuse me. So, but my thing is, like, look, the Steelers need to move forward. If, if there's not a chance for them to have one more for the Gipper, hey, we could actually win this year, then why is he going to come back? And to me, this past season was that season. And it and they tried, and, it, and they didn't get there. And now it's time. We need to rebuild as quickly as possible while you still have these young guys in their physical primes and when they're still in young contracts. And it just sort of seems like you're going to waste a year if Ben comes back and plays next year. Um, if he comes back, then I won't complain about getting to watch my favorite athlete, but it just doesn't seem to make any sense. And it sort of hamstrings the Steelers and Pouncey and Ben and these things that are inevitably, inevitably going to happen after the 2021 season. Why wouldn't you want to get him over now? But you do wonder if Marquise Pouncey retiring along with the next little segment here, Vance McDonald retiring. Those are two Ben's two Ben's two best friends on the team. And Feetner's gone too. That was his other buddy. Why do you think that uh, Ben coming back sets us back even further? It's a wasted year. Do you, wh- what's the alternative? Well, I guess, what does it save them? $19 million on the cap if he does retire? That's yeah. a lot of money for a team that's $34 million over the cap, right? Who I'm do you, who do you acquire? The, I just try to retain. Uh, everything to me is about retaining Sutton and Hilton and, and anybody else that you can retain. I don't, I don't even think that you can bring anybody in. Obviously, there's news that uh, Matt, Matt Stafford's going to be on the open market. I don't think that's an option for the Steelers. They don't have m- enough money either way. He'd be better off going to a team like Washington or Indianapolis who are ready to compete immediately if you plug him in. I mean, hey, maybe the Steelers are that team, but it just doesn't seem like they're going to have the leverage to be able to do that. So I don't think it's about bringing an extra guy in more than like, let's get this – they're, I mean, they're $35 million over the cap. They, they need to find a way to, to get closer. And, and Sutton and Hilton are up this year. And, uh, you know, same with some other guys. The cost of that is that Mason starts next year. Yeah, unless, you know, you could trade up to get a Trey Lance, which I think we'll probably talk a lot about that over the offseason. Uh, everybody might know by now, Trey Lance, you know, more developmental prospect with uh, incredible talent out of South Dakota. South Dakota, right? Um, only played one year in college, raw, but the physical talents are incredible. He's probably second to Trevor Lawrence. He's above Zach Wilson and Justin Fields in terms of physical talent. It's pretty, pretty off the charts. I kind of feel like all these quarterbacks might get scooped up early, but if they get past number 10, what are they traded? to number 10 to get Devin Bush. 
and they barely had to trade anything to get him. Honestly, they just swapped first-round picks, gave a second, and then gave a third that they basically got back with comp picks from Le'Veon and, and uh, AB. And I wonder what the comp pick situation is for Bud or for Juju or for any of these other people that the Steelers are going to lose, you know? So, you know, great point. I, I, I hadn't thought about the compensation that might come with those players. By the way, apologies for all you North Dakotans. He's at Trey Lance is actually from North Dakota. That's so messed up. That I, and right when I said South, I'm like, it's North. I'm sitting there thinking of their uniforms. It's Carson Wentz school, right? It's the yellow and uh, yellow and it's green. Like and I've watched every tape they have of the guy on YouTube, but uh, apologies to the Dakotas there. So a couple of other unknowns, maybe not as important as offensive coordinator, but we're still looking for an offensive lines coach, defensive backs coach. But the offensive coordinator race has gotten interesting. Where we had reports that Matt Canada was taking over, that was not true. Yeah. Do yeah, not we're... believe it until you see it signed on the line. So we brought in Hugh Jackson. We've already excoriated that idea. And Pep Hamilton has brought, been brought in. Another guy who's bounced around a lot but seems to be moving up the ladder. Yeah, Pep Hamilton had good years with Andrew Luck in his early years. He had a great year this past year as the quarterback coach for Justin Herbert, who, of course, was revolutionary. He was a revelation as well, if you will, uh, in, damn it, I'm just never not going to be able to say San Diego. In Los Angeles, move, move back. Nobody wants you in L.A. Go back to San Diego, okay? So he's had some success, and then he was a coach for four games, I guess, of Washington in the XFL. And I actually saw some footage of him as the coach uh, in the XFL when PFT commenter from part of my take tried out as the kicker for the XFL team. And and this might sound a little stupid. This isn't what you base this off of, but, like, he's got a great personality. He's a cool guy. He seems down to earth. He seems easier to relate to younger players. I like that a lot more than a Hugh Jackson, who is a weird football robot coach, cheesy, corny kind of guy, which I think personality-wise is a bad fit. Pep Hamilton and Mike Tomlin, personality-wise, I mean, it's two peas in a pod. They would fit great there. Now, as far as how innovative he is offensively, I haven't seen enough evidence of him on X's and O's. He's worked with quarterbacks, you know, coaching quarterbacks. That's great. That could be really helpful if the Steelers end up getting, you know, they better get a young quarterback within the next couple of years. But it just We've does. seen that before. What do you mean? We've seen that movie before, moving your quarterback's coach to OC. Right, we have. We, I, yeah, I need a guy who calls play. So I, I, I sort of do like the idea of Canada being the guy and, and giving him a shot. I'm not saying he'll be the guy or not, but there doesn't seem to be, there don't seem to be any more Lafleur brothers available. <laughs> for offensive coordinator positions. So I like the guy who's actually called plays a lot more. But if they took Pep Hamilton, there is something special about him. And maybe he hasn't had the, the chance to call plays yet, and, and he could figure that out. But, uh, I mean, he's called plays before. But, I mean, like I said, his his resume is more based around work he's done with quarterbacks. And I'm with you. I don't think you get to go to to the pros, you know, you get the OC job in the pros without showing a little bit of history. And even though Canada's was in college, I'd rather see a guy who's had to do that over an extended period of time. We will see. Either way, it's a new era coming up. Either a guy who, who mentors quarterbacks extremely well or a guy who's going to call more modern game plan. That's just another thing for me with next year. Like, let's get the ball rolling. Like, you know, in a, and if, if, you waste a year. I mean, how long is Mike Hilton good for? Or TJ Watt, how long is he going to be elite for? In four years, these guys aren't going to look the same, and maybe that's the amount of time it's going to take to build another Super Bowl contender. I, I want to go full speed at that. It took Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, my condolences, boys, it took them a full year 
to get the Matt LaFleur system. Last year was clunky. They didn't have a very sexy offense, and this year they really exploded. Not when it counted, of course, in the final game. But it, it, what I'm trying to say is when you're making a full overhaul, especially with the team with, with the giant quarterback question like the Steelers, like, let's just go. Let's do it. So you alluded to something, another move that we, part of the knowns of the Steelers, I found this little interesting fact when I was looking at the breakdown of salaries. The Steelers rank, ranked number one in terms of paying tight ends until last week. Right, because you had two guys that you had signed, right? That is surprising that it's number one. But you had Ebron and Vance. Vance retires. What a great Steeler. What a privilege to have him. I just wish that we had him for his whole career. He loved the Steelers. He was very close with Ben. You should look up the interview with him. It's half an hour. You can just watch the first five, ten minutes. But he is sitting in his, I guess, foyer. He, of course, lives in like a Abraham Lincoln log cabin, the way you would hope a man of his beard would. And just such an affable guy. Well-spoken, cool dude, seems well-liked by the players. He's retiring to really pursue more of his like mission and charity work with his wife. He's really big into the charity uh, circuit. Didn't he get a uh, man of the year for the Steelers this year? The nomination? He does a lot of good was, work. Yeah. And he actually said, he talked about this year. He knew it was going to be his last year, but he didn't tell anybody. And he gave us a little insight into some behind the scenes Steelers stuff throughout his interview. He said a couple, a couple things that actually got pretty, pretty raunchy, but he says that he would have the opportunity a lot of times before games in the shower to break the team down and lead them in prayer. So Listen, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if that's the, the moment in time where all the steel men pop a bunch of Viagra and get hyped up for the game at hand and just see what happens. I'm not going to judge it. Whatever works. If that's what you were doing, stop, because it didn't work. If that's not what you're doing, maybe think about it. Get the juices flowing, because Vance McDonald did his part to get the juices flowing with a, with a prayer and some inspiration, and he said it was hard for him to keep it in the entire year that he was going to retire. Because he thought, man, maybe this is a little extra juice I could add to one of these speeches of like, hey, you don't know how many you get of these. And by the way, I'm retiring. Um, so that's kind of cool you hear that he had a role there leading the team in some way. And he also detailed how the first person he told after the Browns lost that he was retiring was Ben. And it, and it was in the locker room after the game where he said, quote, like, uh, we embraced each other, pause, in a manly way. So he did, he did distinguish that. Of course, they're still... You know, manly men, that's good. Hey, emotions are fine, Vance, that's good, but I'm glad you clarified, clarified that. <laughs> we embraced, and he said, Ben was crying. He paused again. He said, like, oh, I hope he doesn't mind that you said that. And you and I said, I'm glad you said that. You want to you wanna hear the human stories. You want to hear that the franchise quarterback is a man and not a robot, and yeah, it's kind of a sweet moment, touching moment, if you will. He said, yeah, I had some tears in my face, and it was really tough, and he just said that, he thanked Ben. He said he knows how lucky he was. Not a lot of people get a chance to play with a Hall of Fame quarter, quarterback. And it seems like they had a great experience together. And it just made me feel even more bad for Ben. I'm like, damn, what a night. To start off with the embarrassing game that he had, to come back and have the vintage sort of comeback, which, yeah, he had the late pick as well. So it's just a, a rough game, embarrassing loss in Steelers history. His best buddy, they get caught on camera, basically retiring together on the bench. And then he gets blindsided at his other best bud is going to retire as well. Now, granted, he had some foresight. It looked like Vance was not going to be on the team this year either way. So I do feel happy that Vance McDonald retired as a Steeler. And I was pleasantly surprised with the online reaction he got from around the NFL and different people, all thanks to 
the greatest stiff arm of all time, where he stiff-armed Chris Conti into retirement. So how happy do you have to be with, with your life if you're Vance? And he seems like a happy guy. Like, makes a bunch of money, plays in the NFL, lands in NFL history. That cut could be on NFL cut-ups forever. And uh, is, he's able to springboard himself based on his financial earnings into this career man for others type of situation. So out Vance rides into the moonlight and it, that saves the Steelers, I don't know, $5 million, something like that. And then they also got news that uh, the, the cap is not going to be $175 million. It's actually going to be $180 million, which, hey, we can joke this, that the, how much does that help the Steelers? It does. Okay, they'll take every $5 million that they can get. In related news, the Steelers have filled the open tight end coaching position. Alfredo Roberts, or Alfredo Roberts, who comes to us from the LA Chargers, ironically. Right. Um, Last year, this past year, as their tight ends coach, prior to that, he was coaching running backs, but he seems to be a professional tight ends coach for the most part through his 17 years of NFL coaching experience. Nice. They got him. And we also, it appears, we have nailed down defensive coordinator Keith Butler for another year. Yeah, defensive coordinator Mike Tomlin gets to stay for a year. I just hope I Tomlin strikes me as a humble guy. I understand how the team succeeded so um, – they, they had a lot of success this year on defense, and then they really got torn up with injuries. I got to tell you, though, even with the injuries – like, you can make an argument that the Steelers' defense is still better than the defense the Chiefs are playing with right now in the Super Bowl. So I can't give them an excuse for how they fell off and how they played in that Browns game. Because I'm sorry, dude. There's no excuse. They got run all over. They had just set the record for the consecutive games with the sack record, right? What it was, like 80 games, 78, 79 games. They beat the famous Tam- Warren Sapp Tampa Bay Buccaneers teams that had, you know, three Hall of Famers rushing the quarterback at all times and two in the back end. And not only do they not get a sack, they don't even get a QB hit in the playoffs. And then you also notice at the end of the year, a lot of teams were running the ball on them. So that defense eventually did falter. TJ Watt probably won't win the Defensive Player of the Year award with his disappearing act against the Browns. Hate to say it. I love TJ. But it's hard to – I mean, dude, I understand it started poorly. But like we said, Juju and Ben and other guys found a way to turn it around. How do you not get one single damn play? Not even a hit. And Aaron Donald, meanwhile, his, his competition played out of his mind, was a one-man wrecking crew, broke his damn ribs in the, in the game, kept playing, wrecked it in his first game uh, in the playoffs against the Seahawks. So I understand why Tomlin wants to keep those play-calling duties. He's a humble man, in my opinion, so I hope he realizes if it doesn't get that much better, he's got to go in a different direction, but I don't know. It seems like they're just going to do this for the long haul, and, and Tomlin's going to keep coaching the defense, and we're going to get – we're going to keep getting uh, middle linebackers matched up on number one receivers. And I think the take a lot of people have of, hey, this defense is filled with all pros. I think a lot of people could coach that defense. I'm going to be honest with you. I think that that take is completely legitimate. I mean, they, Tomlin has to show some improvement in defense coordinator position. They have to – they do some good things. Like they've – they contain Lamar Jackson – and they find a way to get a lot of picks on him, but then they give up 200 rushing yards to Gus Edwards all of those games, right? Uh, you got to find a way to move Minka Fitzpatrick around more to make more of an impact. And 
it is what it is, but of course they're not going to fire Butler because they didn't fire him after the Jacksonville game or the New England game or any of the other games that happened subsequently. So we're with we're stuck with that forever, I guess. Question. What is the over and under on the number of fantasy combined fantasy points of A.B. and Le'Veon Bell? Hmm, I would guess that the the over under is at seven point four points, and I would take that bet at Bet Online, baby. One last game, one last game to make some bets, and then it's just a summer and spring of prop bets for us. Head to Bet Online and use the promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the best game spreads and totals, team player and coaching props in the game. Bet Online, ching your online sportsbook experts. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence. Did you see this uh, news coming out about the Super Bowl ads and advertisers dropping out? Oh, yeah. Well, that's kind of been news all year long, right? Because they're not really going to get their money's worth. It's a different matter, though. This is... Big companies who have choosing to, who are choosing to sit out of the Super Bowl because they don't think they can thread the needle on the oh. receptivity of the country to their message. 
No, they think no matter what we say, half the country is going to hate it. The, you know, the, the right and the left will argue. So we're losing Budweiser. We're losing Ford, Pepsi, Coca-Cola, names you know, and have seen it for at least 10 years. Wow. Well, the commercials have pretty steadily gotten worse every year. So maybe we'll have the worst one ever now, or maybe it'll be better because we don't have to watch all these people try. You just treat it like a regular football game. Anyways, do you have a prediction for what's going to happen in the, in the Super Bowl before we wrap up here? It's hard to imagine that Kansas City is going to lose it. So I predict that Kansas City will win. And I don't predict it will be difficult to overcome the three and a half points. How's that for vagueness? But I, I think it'll be seven, more than seven points. You're thinking that Kansas City is going to crush them? Yeah, crush. I can't, I can't say that with confidence because you do worry. It's not just Tom Brady. It's just that... That team's an all-star team, and it has an all-star quarterback. Tampa Bay is just really good. I mean, they have five or six great pass catchers. Here's the X factor. The defensive line of Tampa Bay is for real. They got their best player back, Vita Vea, this week. And he played way more than we thought he would after he, like, shattered his ankle two months ago. He's going to be healthier two weeks from now. And the Chiefs don't have either one of their starting tackles. Schwartz was already gone for the season. And then James Harrison's personal ragdoll, Eric Fisher, unfortunately looks like he hurt his Achilles in this past game. So I don't know if he's going to play or not. That's a big deal. But I, I am with you. I do think that if the Chiefs are taking an opponent seriously, it, there really hasn't been another team that has been able to, uh, you know, hang with them. And I think that this Buccaneers team could. They have the firepower. But it does seem like Tom Brady's good for one throw to the other team per game. And Green Bay isn't exactly a great defense. So I'm going to take – I would take the Chiefs at the points as well with you. I think that they're going to find a way to do it. And the Buccaneers don't have a single corner who can cover Nicole Hardman. I mean, let alone Tyree Kill. And the Buccaneers do struggle guarding tight ends. Devin White, all-star uh, linebacker, weirdly has struggled in coverage despite his speed. He does not struggle in anything else. And Antoine Winfield sh probably should be back at safety for the Bucks, so that'll help. But at a certain point, I'm like, I just don't think that the Buccaneers have the horses in the back end to deal with uh, what Kansas City has to offer. Both quarterbacks going to be extremely comfortable in the moment, but I do think that Kansas City, if they're healthy aside from those linemen, I mean, it's just a force of nature. And I actually think playing Tom Brady is almost an advantage for them because now they're going to have their guard up. Kansas City, when they look past teams, I don't know how you could ever look past a team in the Super Bowl, but now I think they're fully aware of like how big this victory could be for their dynasty. You're coming to Washington, D.C. in two weeks. It wasn't necessarily for the Super Bowl. It was just a good open weekend. Did you extend? Are we going to watch together? I think we're going to do that right after this. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week. Go Steelers.